Hello everybody, um, what a week. Well, first of all, I just want to thank everybody that's been listening to the episodes. Uh, last week's episode with Phil um, really, really was successful. Um, apologies if I didn't make it clear how rude it may be. But hey, that's the nature of the business. And it's true, sex sells. Not that I'm able to sell this uh, podcast yet. But if anybody's looking to sponsor me, <laughs> just let me know. So, um, yep, it's been a really great week. I've been really happy with the way things are going. I've had some beautiful messages from everybody and I'm really appreciating it. I sound a little bit hoarse at the moment as I may have frequented a birthday celebration uh, yesterday. So, please excuse the sultry tones of my voice. So, this week... I have an amazing guest. His name is Steph Gustav. He is a brilliant singer. Toured with Hercules in a love affair for eight years. Um, he was on a couple of their albums, 2014 and I think 2016. I'll put all these links when I post the episodes. Uh, I've, that's how Steph came to my attention. So I need to do a disclaimer now because I think um, I'm going to get absolutely rinsed when you hear me and Steph talk about Eurovision. Now... I am probably the only, no, I know I've got a couple of other friends, but I have never, ever been into Eurovision. I am sorry. I do not uh, judge anybody else for being into it. It's just never been my thing. So, of course, Steph is part of the Belgium delegation and was in Rotterdam when we spoke. You'll hear this. And I completely show myself up because I know absolutely nothing. Luckily enough, Steph is not a massive super fan either as he's an established singer-songwriter. He's over there doing his job. Part of this massive behemoth that um, Eurovision is. So I'm outwardly putting out there, please bear with me when... if you are shaking your head when you, and I probably haven't asked questions you might want to know um, but if you do I can always get him back on and I'm actually going to put it out there I think I need to invite someone on who absolutely loves Eurovision because I see you I see you all out there who maybe I could do a whole episode where you educate me um, so yeah I hope you really enjoy the episode. Um, I've got a couple more uh, exciting things planned and I'm looking at doing a new segment where I will be answering and giving you unsolicited advice on any of your life questions. Um, So you can send those in to me via, you can DM me on Instagram, uh, basically amazing pod, or um, a lot of you are still following me on my my, my actual Instagram, which is Stephen P. Stephen G. Pink. Okay. Right. I've got a fuzzy head. So without further ado, I hope you really enjoy the show. Again, thank you everyone for your support. Um, and I love you all. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Take care. She's not technical, people. She's not technical. But what you are is a beautiful singer fantastic performer um and for people out there who's not aware of steph um steph actually came to my attention uh when he was uh singing with hercules and the love affair and they were on tour they dropped this album in 2014 and i fell in love with this collection of songs went to watch them tour i saw steph on stage singing and i followed him ever since and i've been so fortunate 
since then that we have uh, communicated, we've been in touch with some really just, it's just, it's the wonders to me about kind of like social media, like how you can, you know, like. Yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. Yeah, and. The thing is we never really, this is the first time we actually really properly talk actually, you know, it's always like. Yeah messages or reacting to each other pictures or stories but this is the first proper talk it's quite amazing it is already even though it's the first time we talked i know i know and that's and that and that to me sometimes is i oh i'm trying to think how to not go off on too much of a tangent i think like you know just sometimes you just kind of come across some people and you can have that vibe back and forth and it's yeah it, it and you know you become kind of invested and you are from belgium are right. you not and you are so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and uh how how you where you started and where you came you know how where you got to where you got to you know well oh, that's a, actually it's gonna take a long time though probably will so i'm gonna try to give you the, the short the short story um well, I was born and raised in Belgium, obviously, um, and I was brought up in a quite remote little village, uh, not so far from Brussels, but it was more cows than human beings in my village. So it wasn't like the, the biggest place to be a gay kid. Uh, yeah. But I had very, I was very lucky with parents who just saw that I was a special kid and they very early on took me to uh, like dance classes, uh, music, singing classes. Um, I actually got to, I did a uh, like a, a lip sync uh, <laughs> little, um, like we call it playback in Belgium, which means you like, you just Im imitate your idol as a child. And I did Madonna when I was seven. So I was yeah. in drag at seven. Um, so I had very supportive parents who really saw talent in me. And I, I just kind of, started studying music from there. And then once uh, I was 18, I started doing conservatory, which is like, you know, like a proper master in music. And I'm actually a, officially I'm a jazz singer according to my master, but I don't do oh. fuck off jazz music. But um, yeah, and then I just started working very early on as a singer, songwriter. I had some successes here. I started out very early when I was 18 with my first record deal. And I was like a one man boys band. Oh, which is bizarre. you can look it up. It's I was called Stefan actually. I was called Stefan. <laughs> yeah, that that's see, I'm pronounced Stephen. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 not like that. It's, <laughs> it's because it will throw you off because I'm a pH. But allegedly, yeah. I have to go off what my mother told me, and apparently, in Scotland, Stephen is spelled with a pH. Got it. Okay. Allegedly, right. so uh, I'm Step Hen. Yeah, but I would love to. I'd love it if my name was Stefan. I'd, I'd much prefer that. But yeah. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, we digress. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, so voila, and I uh, uh, did my first record, and I got into like, kind of the pop side of it all, and it wasn't really my thing because you know it was just it was just a bit. As an eighteen-year-old, I wasn't really ready to be in that kind of circus. So yeah. I just started working as a producer and a songwriter and and a backing vocalist. Just did everything basically, and I started working with Zap Mama. It's like some sort of like world group band from Belgium, like um, Congolese European band. Uh, hold on, just, hold on. What's a PM band? What's that? Like Congolese, sorry, Congolese from Congo. So it's a half Congolese and half European band basically. So it's like African inspired okay. music. 
Yeah, people look it up. It's Top Mama. She's called Maridon, which she's quite famous in her sort of like genre. Okay. So it's a lot of different things, basically. And then to get to closer to like maybe the Hercules story was I started working as more like as staff, which I'm called right now, uh, yeah. around 2010. And just got by pure chance, got noticed by Andy Butler. And then I started uh, like an eight year long story with Hercules and Love Affair. And uh, that ended like two years ago. So voila, that's that's a very short story because there's a lot of stuff in between if you want to go into it. But that's the short story. Yeah. And how many albums did you work with uh, with Hercules and Love Affair? So I did Pizza Broken Heart and Omnion was the second one, I believe right. I did. Okay. And so eight years touring was that worldwide? Did you? Is there any way yeah. you missed out? Um, no, no, no. We did everything. That's that was that was amazing part because I never really I toured a bit with that sub mama group I was talking about, yeah. but I never really got into like full on touring, and that was actually glorious. I have to say that was a fantasy that I could outlive finally in that in that moment. And it's just yeah, it's what everyone says. It's fucking exhausting, but it's it's brilliant at the same time. There's nothing like it. It's really special. Now, I, I, that part of the whole story, I I loved a lot. And um, when you were touring with them, there it's incredibly, from my impression, a very strong queer representative uh, collective of people. How is that when you've got all of those creative? people i'm imagining a dash of ego here and there <laughs> how crazy was it on the road sometimes is there anything oh. you could allude to without you know breaking an oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even alluding because i think it's just a given because you become this kind of you have to become like a close-knit family unit yeah so it becomes a bit like you you, you also get the annoying sister brother thing as well you know yeah. so there were moments when you were like, I'm just going to go into my hotel room and not come out until I have to start working. Those kind of things happen for sure. But it's all, that's the thing. It's so intense. Everything is like, feels like it's like, um, how do you say, we say in quadrat in Flemish, which means like everything is just 10 times more intense as normal life. Cause it's like, it's a bit of a bubble. So yeah, you're tired all the fucking time. So of course your emotions become way bigger than they should be. But honestly, the touring itself, I, I, I have a lot of great memories about it. So there were a couple of moments, but I think anyone who tours has moments because you, you're just together all the fucking time. You know, you're on planes, buses, and hotel rooms and on, 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 a, on a stages all the fucking time. So I say fuck off. I'm so sorry. You have to. You have to no, no. It, I mark this as explicit anyway. Cause ah, okay. <laughs> and okay. So and who do you still stay in touch with from that experience, that moment uh, in life? I'm super, yeah. So I was the, the touring unit I was with was with uh, so Annie obviously and then Rouge Mary and my colleagues. So we both did most of the touring basically for for the albums. There were sometimes ex guests who were on the album who would come along for certain gigs, but we did all all the gigs basically. Yeah, and with Rouge, oh, I absolutely adore her. Um, she's she's brilliant, and we're still very good friends. And I think she's coming to my house hopefully next weekend um when i'm back from holland so and andy uh, it's not like we there's not a lot of contact anymore i'll just say that it, yeah. i think it ended yeah. years ago and i think all of us were like really done after eight years with the the formula yeah so i'm not very close at the moment but i'm not saying it's like a ne i never talked to him again it's just like we're not so close at the moment but that's just yeah how the cookie crumbles sometimes yeah and actually that's well i guess that's probably quite a 
a nice way to be really rather than there be some anything lingering or hanging over you or you know you know any any extreme animosity i guess you know if i was around someone for well (laughs) yeah i can't imagine anyone close to me coping with me being on the road with them for eight years for that long (laughs) so that's about you i think it's just in general eight years did you find as a and i'm just going to I'm only going to mention, like, go with this when you were touring as as a, uh, a, a predominantly uh, LGBTQI plus band. Did you did you experience? Would you say did you experience any like hard reactions on the road, like maybe from venues or anything? Or as you know, did you would you no. did you ever feel like you may may have been treated differently, any worse or? Because I'll be honest with you, when you saw you on stage, it was a it was a it was a brilliant burst of of different personas and so different people, you know. And I guess when we are confident in who we are, one of the things, or when we're flamboyant, creative individuals, one of the things we take in life is is that someone will always notice that in you, and sometimes right. we'll, you know. I well, I'm talking from my personal experience here. I I never gave a fuck about right. any, when I walked down the street. So if someone going to call me a faggot, I was like, "You've noticed." Well done. So what <laughs> I'm what I'm kind of asking here is, did you ever feel maybe in hindsight, oh, actually, were were we treated how we would have been treated, say, if we were a band of or a collective of four straight white men? You know. Well, actually, I think I, I completely understand what you're saying, mm. uh, honestly. Um, but I think for me, it was quite the opposite because I came from a place. This was it was kind of mind blowing for me the whole experience because when I came from when I was working in Belgium, and I was always uh, like I told you when I had my first pop thing when I was 18, like in in the Middle Ages at this point, uh, <laughs> I uh, I was very much asked by the record company it was a big record company to like a kind of don't ask don't tell policy where they were like you don't have to say uh, you don't have to say you're not gay or this kind of like weird thing where they're like just don't say you're gay you know, just keep it open and keep them guessing this kind of thing and that because I was so young I was 18 years old and I got the impression from that from that age like I can't be myself in order to be successful that was really the message I was given basically yeah. Also, one of the reasons why I quit that whole circus after a couple of years. And I felt always as a, because then I started Gustav and I was very much an open, proud, queer artist. But from Belgium, it was always this kind of stepmotherly attention where they were like, yeah, we see you, but I never really felt accepted by the press. I, I my singles got played on radio and I had some attention and, and some interviews here and there. And I always felt like they didn't really get what I was doing, but they kind of had to acknowledge that I had some talent. So they kind of just kept, gave me the stepmotherly attention, basically. Yeah. And I always, yeah. and I had the feeling before I started Hercules, like even if I would wear a fucking bin bag over my fucking head, they would still say, oh my God, you're so flamboyant. Like I just couldn't escape this kind of like, it was, it was treated as it was something bad, basically. Right. And what was, what was mind-blowing to me is I started Hercules and they basically told me like, put on these leggings and go fucking crazy. Uh, which was so so new to me, this energy. So for me, it was the opposite. Everywhere I went or everywhere we went, we were kind of embraced because of that, because of being so flamboyant and being so fuck you attitude a little bit with the whole gender bending thing. 
Um, so for me, it was quite the opposite. I never really felt we were uh, treated differently or it was more people who booked us really knew why they were booking us. Yeah. And that was very freeing for me as an artist. I think that that changed me profoundly as an artist and actually as a person as well, truly. Yeah, that, that's really that's really interesting that you... So it sounds like you kind of went through a bit of like... Um, would, you, would we call that a, rena- a, rena- a renaissance? Or, yes, a renaissance. Like, yeah. Very nice. A nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's... Yeah, and I think that's maybe the key to things sometimes that people... Things come along, people come in... To your because we've, I, I, I you know I've noticed I've asked this in the last three episodes that I've done I asked someone their age and I was told it was the rudest thing to ask I'm but I will start it I'm 39 so I'm 40 so there we are so okay. David's fine then <laughs> but you I'm know really, you don't have a problem with that seriously I'm actually turning 40 was quite um because I I found myself you know honestly to be like like doing a year less than what I was sometimes when I'm, I'm, people will never know what it's like when I was thirty so I'm thirty five like I I did stuff like that in my thirties honestly yeah and once yeah. I was like you know what this is it I'm this is the four o and I'm just I just I can't be bothered and also like I should be proud I'm forty and I'm still here working and you know it's it's all good and we should be more actually uh, we should be more embracing of of embracing sorry of like being 40 and still being able to do everything you want to do it's actually quite amazing it's just this kind of culture that's telling us like oh you know life is over or you shouldn't do certain things anymore you know it's that's ageism and i think it's time we kind of stop dealing with those things no because you're looking weird when i say this (laughs) i'm looking weird and you know what we'll come back to it we're just gonna have a break and we'll be right back Okay, we're back uh, in the wonderful world of tech. Um, and ironically, I, anyway, I'm going to make a disclaimer. I already said this online to you all the other week. I'm still getting used to editing and doing this. At the moment, I'm a raw podcaster. I just go in raw <laughs> and just see how it happens. But yeah, so Steph, anyway, we were talking about ageism. Look, ageism for me, the thing 40 the vanity for me is I don't I, I don't I'm not affected by it because I don't think I've a, I'm aging badly I'm just gonna sound like a vain twat now so for me I'm not really that bothered good, you look good. yeah and I don't really um but what I was gonna say was like you having that renaissance and then when you get a bit older you just stop giving a fuck as much don't you you don't care as much yeah, that's one of the brilliant things about getting older. You really don't give a fuck anymore. That's great, actually. You're right. So um, let's talk about where you are right now. And I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit, I'm a little bit frustrated with myself because um, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm skipping out. There's gonna be, there's gonna be people that listen to this, uh, this interview, and they're going to be like, okay you're the worst interviewer for someone <laughs> right now, because if anyone, basically Steph at the moment is in Rotterdam, Rotterdam, something to do with Eurovision. I am, even though you would expect me to be like a Eurovision queen, I know nothing about it. I'm not obsessed with it. Don't care about the UK's entry. Don't I'm not asked. I don't understand why Australia there. I think I ended up watching Madonna last, was it Madonna last year? Was Madonna last year? Yes, yes, she was. I mean, that was two years ago because yeah, uh, last year I had with the corona shit. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I 
I see people on Twitter having Eurovision watching parties. I see tweets about it. I see posts. I'm like, party. Cool. I, I'm literally like, okay. So now I'm like talking to someone who is, and please, you just explain, you're over in Rotterdam and what are you doing? What, what is it you're doing to do with Eurovision over there? Well, this is my second time actually doing Eurovision for, for the Belgian delegation. I was there three years ago in Portugal. Um, yeah, just, um, I, this is like the national television VRT who, uh, they have to make a delegation basically always for Eurovision. And last time I was, doing backups for um, the candidates. Because I told the VRT, which is the, and the broadcasting company, like, because they once asked me to actually, a couple of years ago, to actually participate in like try, going for Belgium. And I was like, I don't see myself doing that, honestly. But I said, but I would love to be in the circus. I would, any, any role you can give me and you pay me, I'll do it. So voila, that's what I did three years ago. I was singing with the candidate. And then this year, it's a band called Hoover Phonic and they're, they're, they're actually internationally a bit renowned, renowned uh, no, I guess, no, yes, that's the word. How do you say that? Renowned? Renowned. 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 Mm. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, and they, I mean, they've had some successes uh, also in the US and stuff. They were on like, I know she did last summer, the soundtrack and all that kind of stuff. So they have some, some name for a Belgian band. And they decided to participate in Eurovision. And I was already, because I also do vocal coaching for people in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, I also teach at, at the conservatory and stuff. So I had this singer called Hjeke. I was already helping her last year. And they asked me to come along as a vocal coach for her. And then when I was here, like, well, fuck it. You might as well just sing along backstage. So I'm also singing along backstage with her. Um, and yeah, this is the second time I'm doing it. It's a bit different because the first time was definitely a ball because we were in Lisbo Lisboa and we could just... You do your rehearsals and then you go out for drinks and actually it's quite nice. It's obviously it's serious. Don't get me wrong, but it was nice to kind of be in a, in a nice city and, you know, you can enjoy a, a different country and a different culture a bit. But this year, unfortunately, because it's Corona, we are stuck in a hotel and we can only leave the hotel for rehearsals and for the Eurovision itself. We can't even order delivery food online. We have to eat hotel food for two weeks. Oh my God. The, the audacity of it. I know, I know. The one, the one thing that the UK has kept going is delivery service food. I know, but same in Belgium. It's, and, it's, and it's here, there's delivery and Uber Eats here and all that kind of stuff, but we just can't order it. It's not allowed because it's too much of a risk because they don't know where the food has been and who touched the food. And here they kind of know who's touching your food. I okay, guess. so break it down for me. What is a delegation? So you've got, the, you've got, your, your, you've got your candidate. Right. You've got your performer. Right. What are you delegating? I don't get it. Why is it called a delegation? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get crucified by people. That... <laughs> no, every, every country has a delegation. So there's, there's obviously the, the official broadcasting company from each country. Like for you guys, it's the BBC, obviously. Um, and there's a leader who then decides what kind of team he, she or he are going to uh, get together for this contest. So in our delegation, there's another singer. Luckily, my best friend is here who's singing with them on stage. There's me, the vocal coach. There's someone who does a styling, which is Tom Erebao, by the way, who is the stylist of Lady Gaga. Um, who, who, who? Tom Erebao, look him up. He's a great stylist and he's a uh, Lady Gaga for years. Okay. So he's here in Belgium too, and he's here. And there's a makeup artist. 
Um, then there's like the press attaché who does all the interviews and all that kind of stuff. There's a director of this of the scene itself. There's a lighting guy who does all the lighting for the Eurovision. So there's a whole team of people that have to get together to make the the entry of their country as good as possible. Basically, that's the idea. Oh, okay. So you all over there at all the countries there now? Yes, that's why they're so rich. <laughs> so uh, rubbish. <laughs> That's kind of a given. Oh, I don't... Oh, God. Okay. Oh, right. I don't... This This is... Right. Okay. Right. I have got friends right now that would would be all over you right now. Right. Right. So, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. And I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm just going to... Right, I might as well just go full power here. I think it's very sweet. You're so honest. But And also, you shouldn't know these things. You shouldn't feel bad about that, Stephen. Really, it's fine. It's fine. No, but there's like... It's just not a... It's not a wheelhouse that's ever appealed to me. And I will, like I said to you before we started recording, predominantly, it's because of the songs that we put in. So I was like, not bothered, not asked... And then obviously as you get older, it's like, well, everyone hates Britain. <laughs> well, the thing is, I started watching, wasn't it the same with you? I started, as a child, I started watching it. I was obsessed as a child because it's such a, it was just a, it was one of those nights you had once a year and the whole family would gather on a television and you, you wouldn't even have like little lists. You would and I would. No, and my, mom would... And dad, my mom and dad went, so there we are. My mom and dad aren't into it. So it wasn't right. a thing in my house. Right. But the weird thing is everyone was into it in Belgium. Literally every family, the straightest couples would watch Eurovision and yeah. wouldn't fail to see all the campness that was <laughs> on television. But yeah, it's, it's, that's, why I, that's why I said I really want to be part of it. I want to be in the circus because it is a fucking circus. And it's I quite can amazing. imagine. I can imagine it. So, and because I, I haven't even watched that film on Netflix, the Eurovision film that Will Ferrell did. So, you have to watch it. It's it's amazing. I love it. It's so oh good. my god! This is the worst interview ever. Oh, feel terrible. <laughs> like no, you know what? But I do understand because I think I think um, a lot of, a lot of people don't watch it anymore because it 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 has become too much of a cliche in certain ways. You know, it's like where it, it's actually a, a contest about songs, and that's sometimes a bit forgotten in the last couple of years, I, I will say. But there's still a lot of great material, a lot of, what I love is certain people still put their own folklore, culture, like even instruments, uh, their own language. There's a, a, a pride in that, which I love. And I always think I'm such a cheesy bastard, but I, I love when people get together for something like this. It's like with the Olympics, I always cry. Yeah. Because I see something of hope that maybe we can all get together and do something nice together. So I guess, it's me being a cheesy bastard as well. So, no, and I really, I, I, I totally get that. It's, um, and like I say, I, a lot, I'm probably the only one out of my uh, friends, well, gay male friends, the lesbians I know don't love it. Like, who is just, is not bothered. I've just, and I'm gay as, I'm gay as fuck. Like, I'm gay as fuck. So it's kind of a bit like, what? And um, I've got friends who went to Portugal and, you know, and, but yeah, I, I remember Dana, I remember Dana International, I, Gina G. Oh my God, that's, yeah. I, what a, I love that song, seriously. Well, I still love that song. And I actually remember once at Birmingham Pride when I didn't, I think I was about 1918 and me and my friend were, sat relaxing in a booth in a nightclub and it was in the day and we had no idea that she was about to come on stage and sing and we just heard her we were like oh 
Oh, I like he was like, <laughs> and like I, so I've always got like a I've always got attached to that, and I you know I know what's that song? I'm gonna butcher it now. I I have euphoria. Yeah, that was Swedish. The gays, the gay. My friends love it. Which is fine. Which is fine. Perfect. 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 But I think it for me. It's because I don't think I'm like, I just don't follow who we put in. I'm like, nah, but like you said, it's a contest about songs. I've been, I, I view it. I, I'm like, oh, is it um, political or is it a one up, especially maybe from being in the U, the UK and I don't know. I've got a bit of a, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a bit like, especially at the moment you know i'm like oh god it seems like the uk, the UK yeah it seems like the uk is a bit also you feel a bit like they're like well we have to do it because it's it's like because they obviously they're one of the biggest sponsors because they always are in the final right for example so uk is still one of the biggest sponsors for the competition but it seems like yeah like it's not it's for an artist but it's i guess that's a bit of thing there's still a bit of a um, how do you how do you say it right uh, certain artists will not do it. Like you said, maybe steps, why don't they do it? But maybe they don't want to do it because it's not maybe the right thing to do for them because in the UK, it's not a good look to do Eurovision, I think. I don't want to make this bad or something, but that's how it seems to me. Like they don't, they don't, they think it's a bad thing to go on Eurovision, which I don't think is a, it is at all, but that's how it looks to me. Am I, am I right? Or am I being very controversial? Right now? No, I don't think like, you've been controversial. I don't think you've been controversial. I think the worst thing is, is you're, you're giving that, you're, you're saying it to someone that really, I can't answer it back to you. I, because in my opinion, I don't think steps are too good for Eurovision. In fact, steps, um, Eurovision. <laughs> they, yeah, and they would, and that's the uh, the thing. So obviously, there's some, you know, there, there's something going on, maybe with with them. Um, but you know, I can't really comment. So I'm gonna ask the. Right, this is the last question. Oh my god, I'm so gonna get crazy. Do it. So so did did. did are you in Rotterdam because the winners last year were from Rotterdam. Is that right? <laughs> oh my god Can, cancel me cancel me now is that who won last year oh actually it's even worse Rotterdam is just a city in the Netherlands and the Netherlands yeah yeah right the Netherlands won yeah right. well I love I love the net I love the Netherlands I, I love the Netherlands I love I Amsterdam some of my favorite <laughs> And actually, I noticed you try and save it. Try and save it real quick. Try and save it. Try and save it. Yes. Yes. Well, no, they know. I'm booked to go to. I want to go to Milkshake Festival. I'm really hoping it goes oh, ahead. That's, that's yes. Yes. I'm yes. so looking forward to going. I'm hoping that it goes ahead in July. I'm, you know, they emailed me and said yes. It's going to be totally fine. I was meant to go last year. And you know, I've, I've, I love. Uh, who is it? Doppelgang as well. I love those oh, books. I love them. They're friends of mine. They're really, really, oh. really. Sweet guys, I'm in absolutely in, in love with them both. Obviously, oh, it, it, why? Why indulge? Well, they're just so beautiful. They're beautiful, but but aside from that, they 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 did. De- I met they DJed here at a little gay brother an event that we have in London, and they were absolutely they absolutely smashed it out. And I was like, they were so good. So then I followed them, and then I wanted to go to. I don't know. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to milkshake, and you know, because one thing. 
one thing I was going through was I was pretty much a club kid in my 20s. Like, you know, still now, you know, I'm very like, I do talk about like music and, and in London, there's a scene of um, the, the music scene in London, the gay scene, the music towards, well, before lockdown had really kind of shimmied and focused over to quite a very heavy circuit party kind of vibe. And Mm -hmm. not just, okay, next controversial comment. I think circuit party music is absolute bullshit. Um, It's repetitive, the same fucking tone. Uh, And, you know, and sometimes I wonder how they've even remixed songs in it. Like, I don't know how you can remix Celine Dion, I Drove All Night, into a circuit party beat. (laughs) And then everyone's got their top off, which is fine. Get your life, take your tops off. But it's just a certain, it's just not, it's just a sea of, I just can't do it. I like house music, disco, uh, funk and soul. and, 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 you know, do you know Head Candy? You've heard of Head Candy? Yeah, yeah. So I was loved, I was in love with Head Candy and all of that and Horse Meat Disco. The compilations that you, you, that's the the Head Candy, right? Yeah, yeah. But he used to run nights in Ibiza and he's, you know, Mark Doyle, the guy's name was, and, you know, and he he kind of brought people, well, really, he brought, he brought the Freemasons to the forefront and then, what's uh stonebridge as well and you know all of those all of those handbag handbag classics well uh. uh, i'm with you for me it's also like i just i still need a, a good vocal and, and a good melody it's, it's just so simple because you need to relate to something i don't relate to like it's just i need more than that so i completely agree but to everyone their taste eh, to be very clear but i but i think I miss it because in Belgium as well, don't do a lot of gay life because it's a lot of that as well, where it's like, well, I don't connect to the music and I, I love, I love me some dancing, but honestly, I've been dancing a lot in my own living room since Corona and I'm actually enjoying it. I'm like, I just do the playlist and it's good songs and we're done. I guess one thing without being, well, to me, I feel sometimes at these venues, they, they lean towards that kind of music because it may be because, I'm trying to, God, this this podcast is a mess. Uh, Because I'm about to say the nature of that music and the kind of thing that it kind of, uh, in the kind of, it's a monotonous, it's kind of a repetitive monotonous beat. Guys are usually there to hook up. You know, there might be some sort of, the occasional and obviously you know drugs on the dance floor are not nothing new but you know with a monotonous beat and maybe the chasing of um to lick someone's pumped bicep or something with your dry mouth uh it's you know there's a there's a certain you know that it's not it's not uncommon that it may well be that everyone you see on the dance floor is off completely like off their face on some on um on, on G, <laughs> like, you know, you know they're, they're having shots of G. Their eyes are like bursting out of their face. You know, they were like, you know, and they're like, and they just doing the motions. Yeah, and and in all fairness, 
honestly not not being uh shady or nothing good, good for them but it's at the same thing you know I, I do a lot of djing and i used before her because i did a lot of singing with with like a, a a house dj who uh who i work with since 10 years or something and it's just like the, the reason i do that kind of stuff is because you can you can literally see the importance of a good vocal and a yeah. good melody because sometimes we do a lot of improvisation but there's always like some common thread of of you know a known classic or a known hook from a classic house song and the the energy that it that it um that it that, that comes across when you sing these songs live in front of people who are dancing the great thing is you see people responding to what they love and it just proves the point of i think there's there's it has to still be emotive in some way i think music it doesn't matter if it's on a dance floor if it's in your living room if it's for even a, like a, a ceremonial purpose it has to emote something and i think that's what i miss in those kind of situations i don't really feel something i can connect with as a human being but that's again that's really personal eh? that's really what yeah. i need you know from music yeah you're right and i have to I'll, I'll make a disclaimer i don't i'm not i'm not judging anyone that may love those events that i just mentioned actually no i'm not going to say that because actually i don't know about you but after gays did you see the gays over covid thing you know, in America, and there were all the gays, and they were going to Mexico to these circuit parties, oh, yes, and they were like, they didn't care about their masks. Like, I don't mean this is this is my point. There's the prime example. Okay, circuit parties. There you go. They're the people. That's who was going. You didn't see. You didn't see anyone going. You didn't see any like. You didn't see anyone doing that to go listen to, like I say, glitter box or the, you know, no. purple disco machine and that. You didn't have the same kind of crowd. Do you know where we were all? We were all either watching them do live events on YouTube or we were at home. Uh, so that's really my 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 point about it. But you know, you do you. I'd rather um, I'd rather eat a rusty nail than dance to circuit party music. Right. And with that. <laughs> I don't want to be too negative. So actually, when you're talking about um, you're talking about uh, um, a, a good vocal, bring us up to your is it your newest single, which you released last year, and you did a collaboration with Adam Joseph, yeah? Yes, that was last year, November. Yeah, that was that was that was a really really good experience for me because we were talking before, same as as happened with you, just chatting on Instagram as you do, because I was. I knew him from, yeah, obviously he did some amazing RuPaul's Drag Race remixes, which I love. Those bitch tracks are great. And he does yeah. that very well. But then I just, and I, I think that's how I got to know him first years ago. And then I heard him sing on a couple of tracks. And I was like, oh my God, his voice is incredible. So I just, I think we started talking about, about that, about singing and about how I love his, his voice and his tone. And, and I also love that he's so diverse. Like he makes... Uh, he can make a soul ballad. He can do a, a bitch track. Then he'll make like a very cool, like um, like dubby kind of house record. And I think he was touring a lot because he, he went to Europe like two times a year to do some gigs. And I think I just told him like, hey, if you're doing a tour, you might as well just come to Belgium and I'll, I'll set you up in, in my apartment because I, a, a, I have a guest room you can stay in. And we stayed for, for uh, he had to play in Amsterdam. So I took him to Amsterdam. We came back to Belgium. And we just ended up writing Second Coming in like one day. And then he left for America. And then we just went back and forth just by, by internet, like producing the song together and finishing the vocals together. And that was released, yeah, last year, November. And it was just, it was, it was nice because it was the first time something came so easily. Like 
because we just went in the studio like well we'll see what happens and usually honestly when you work with someone for the first time it, it can take you know a bit of time before you really can gel together and you you feel comfortable with each other but with him i think we hadn't we had nothing to prove we were we were convinced of each other's uh talent you know without sounding cocky hopefully so there was no be as cocky as you want (laughs) but there was no no like i have to impress him before i can get to writing this song you know what i mean it was just like let's get the business yeah and like and people will i Oh, obviously, I will highlight the song when we post this, uh, the episode. And for anyone, Adam Joseph, he's the guy that uh, is on Hey Queen and sings the, used to would sing Hey Queen with Lady Red, or he did the intro song. But in case some people would know him on different levels, and he did the bitch track uh, uh, with Aja Linda Evangelista. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, him and that whole crowd, um, and like, like I said to you earlier, I, I love Adam Joseph, uh, Eric, Eric, could you... yeah, yeah, my mind's gone. Uh, Erica Aviance, that's it, Aviance, she's an Aviance, isn't she? And um, yeah, and Lady Rekature, Johnny McGovern, and Brandy, Brandy and Judy. But anyway, they're, they're YouTube personalities, and they're, they're brilliant, and follow them. And if you don't know who they are, you should, because you know, they get, they deliver some great queer content too. So you produced and created that during, uh, in, in 2020. No, that was 2019 actually. So 2019 and you released it, uh, November, 2020. So that it was something, so that's nice that you actually, during the lockdown, you released, you, you got to release some material. How, how has, or was the lockdown for you? I'm not too aware where Belgium is compared to the UK now with your um, vaccines and, and restrictions and stuff. I think it was just as horrible as it was for everyone. Eh? Our, our, our lockdown and uh, the second one really was heavy now, uh, which last year, November 2020. Uh, we're, we're getting vaccinated, but obviously not at the same rate as the UK. That's very clear. Um, my parents got vaccinated just now. So that means that I'm still a long way to go. Um, if you look at the schedule, I'm scheduled maybe for July, but we're not doing very good when it comes to, but they're, they're saying now it was gonna really like become faster and quicker, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine, but I think it's not at the same rate as UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you were dancing around a lot in your front room. Did you, it's the end. Did you, have you, did you create any music? Is there stuff that you've done or recorded that you've just not released yet? Or that, you know, did, you, could have, did you make an EP, the lockdown moments or something? I don't know. <laughs> no, because actually the first, because the typical, the first moment when last year, I guess, March when it started the first lockdown I was like yes perfect I can start writing music and I just drove myself crazy because it was just I think I was just too anxious deep down and and couldn't really bother to, 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 to write something good and just was frustrated and then actually I think last year it kind of I just some stuff was happening where I felt like oh like you know what really triggered me is this um, so I did release this song when I was 18 years old my first single here in Belgium yeah and for some reason I got into an opportunity to buy my master tape again so this is a song I wrote myself but I actually bought my master tape back from the record company wow. so if 
and I wrote that song when I was 16 and produced that song when I was 16. And it felt like I could validate the 16 year old inside of me for all for some movie sounds really too. I don't want to sound like I'm like some like hippie ish uh, guy, but it's like it's just it, it felt like something was was lifted off of me for some reason when I could do that because I felt like it was very empowering. And it really opened up some gate in me where I and I just wrote like in a matter of two months, I wrote like uh, six songs, which I'm like, I think I'm going to use these songs to, to release something. So I'm looking at a release where I'm going to I'm going to re-release my old song. I have some remixes of that. And then I'm looking at a release of, uh, of an EP. It's still in the works right now, but I've, I'm hoping after the summer, this will all get started. But it's been amazing how, how yeah, that moment really triggered me into creating new music. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that is really interesting. So um, who are your, who's your like biggest inspiration? Who's your biggest inspirations? I know this is probably a bit of a, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going, as we tail off towards the end, I'm, I'm going to answer the, the flaccid, you know, I bet you get asked these all the time, but like, I want to know who is it that, who's your biggest inspirations as artists or? A, a, a many, of course, but I will say, um, the thing with me is I feel like there's that's what's happening right now with this EP. There's, there's like the child pop uh, obsessed kid that's in me. And there's also like the maybe the bit of the more matured musician who has different taste level in that sense. But as a child, I was yeah, I was born in 1980. So for me, I can I cannot cannot not talk about the likes of Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston, Madonna, George Michael. George yeah. Michael was very profound for me because my mother was really a big fan of him already. And that's just a lot of memories of me with my mom listening to him. And I think I always felt as a kid some sort of connection to this, like, just this guy who, who obviously as, as a, as, is gay, obviously. But as a child, I didn't see. And obviously, he didn't want to show that in the 80s either. But that's someone I really look up to um, as a songwriter and a singer, especially. I think he really influenced me as a singer because I still hear a lot when people hear my voice, they tend to say George Michael as, as something they hear in my voice, a great compliment, of course. Um, I'm also a huge Kate Bush fan, which I don't think you really hear in my music. <laughs> but uh, I'm completely obsessed with her for years. I love Annie Lennox and Eurythmics' work. And then also, so that's more my pop side. And what I will say, there's also like more, uh, my, my parents, especially my mom, she's played, she played a lot of Motown records, stacked records. So I grew up with Marvin Gaye and, and, and the Supremes and, and uh, Donny Hathaway and, and Al Green. And so there's definitely a soulful side that's always been part of me. And uh, as a singer, for example, someone like Shaka Khan is a huge influence. Yeah. A lot of my high notes and all of my, high like like belting stuff comes from just trying to emulate her which i will never be able to do but that was kind of like something that influenced me a lot as a singer i saw her live at love box actually in london i watched she she was amazing it was her and then grace jones oh my god what a lineup it was when grace was doing the the hula hoop oh my god yeah it was shaka khan then grace jones and i think khalise was on the other I think that I might be blending two of the same years, but I don't think I am. And I think Khalees was on the other stage when she had that, uh, oh God, I can't remember the album, 
Ah, tapos sa... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Acapella, yeah, that album. But she did, she did like, she... Oh, God, her set was like this 30-minute non-stop. It was so good. Um, but yeah, I saw Shaka Khan then. I've been quite l- lucky with... Uh, I've been quite lucky seeing the people live that I've been able to see. But... Um, I don't know. Have you seen the Tina Turner documentary yet? Have you watched no, it? I have to see, but I haven't seen it yet. But I heard it's incredible. Yeah, she's one, another one of those that are like, what an incredible legacy, what a woman. Yeah, she's just, she. And I think she's just been uh, admitted to the Hall of Fame twice now, Rock and Hall Hall of Fame. Though. she's got in again. Ah, so she probably got in with Ike, and then she got in. Yeah, the, yeah, she got in. She got the votes. But it's a good. It's a. It's an interesting documentary. Um, it, it, it seems quite cathartic, really, for her. Mm. She went through a lot. She had like a stroke and then all that. She had, an, uh, she had a new kidney and stuff. It was some heavy stuff. Well, there. they don't talk about that. They talk more. Yeah, they don't cover that. They, it, no, they don't, actually. I didn't know that. Like, they talk a lot about how, you know, how much they talked about Ike after she'd become solo and stuff, you know, like, and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's, a re- it's a really interesting documentary, I would, I, I would say. Go watch it. I, I think it's. A sh- I wish. I kind of wish that she. I kind of. I know she's really happy where she is. I think she lives in Italy. Does she live in Italy? Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. She. He, she's minted, isn't she? She's like. Yeah. What? She's what? what did you minted. Say? That's what he said. Rich, rich, I'm bitch. Because didn't I think she got married with a wall of roses? Was that her? Who was the wall of roses? I have no idea, but I know she got she got married late, eh? Like she was already with this guy for twenty five years or something. Yeah, she talks about him in the documentary. It's quite it's cute. It's cute. So I um I have surmised that I really don't know anything about Eurovision, and I'm really rubbish. It's fine. Why Do you don't think? You? Are you scared people are gonna like like vilify you because you don't have Eurovision? Knowledge? Yeah, but I'm up for it. You know what I mean? If I can't, I've got to be controversial in some ways, I can't be Mr. Nice Guy, you know. So let them come for me. Um, I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> like you say, it's honest, and there's, there'll be some people out here that I feel like once I, they, I've showed them who you are, they're gonna take a great interest in what you do. Like, well, I'm interested in what you do anyway, but I mean, it's in because of the Eurovision connection. I- of course. So, um, what's next for you after this? You're going to do the EP. Um, you're going to work on. Is that where you're just? Is it just day by day now? Uh, get this. Get Eurovision done. Uh, well, we're here for two weeks until next week. We're here for two weeks till next weekend, and then because I also it's you know it's going to be quite busy because you know I teach at a at a conservatory like uh, actually the school I was. That's why I teach now. So there's a lot of exams now are coming up. Uh, I still teach online actually these two weeks as well. And then, yeah, I think I'm, I'm also going to start, which is nice maybe to say to the listeners, that, uh, um, there's a singer in Belgium called Lady Lynn, which is a good friend of mine. And she's also has some followers in, in Holland and in France. And I'm going to also do an EP with her actually. So we're going to do an, it's me and another artist called Gregory Fateur. And we're going to release an EP together and we're going to go on tour together as well with that. So I think, and that's going to be recorded in July. And then I am going to Greece for what hopefully will be three weeks. Maybe I'll never come back. We'll see. 
you and might then be allowed to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you might get stuck. You might get. You I might get care. stuck there. <laughs> don't care anymore. No, and then afterwards, yeah, I'm gonna start finishing. The, uh, so I'm gonna have to finish EP with with this uh, friend of mine, and then I'm gonna. I think I hopefully start mixing the EP in uh, September, October, and then it's kind of I'm probably gonna do it myself. But it's I'm still looking for some partners for promo and stuff, and uh, we're also looking at how we're gonna do it visually because my husband is a great photographer and videographer. So we're looking into maybe creating something of maybe we're gonna try to do like a full-on video story for all the songs on the EP, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's yeah, we're just it's it's nice because it's the first time I really feel something practical is gonna happen. Because before it was like you know I was writing, but it was like mm, who knows it's gonna happen? I don't know. It's the first time I feel a bit of a fire in me, which has that has I think it hasn't happened since since two years. So that's nice. So yeah, I, yeah, I get yeah, I, I it's weird. I get maybe not for everybody, but the fact that the world slowed down for a year, for, uh, you know. For some, there's there's positives that have come out of that, you know. And for others, of us, there has been negatives, you know. Um, a room for pause, reset, and to kind of just work out what's important and things. So maybe that, you know, maybe it wasn't too bad this this last year that we all were stuck in. As long as we get out ASAP, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So. One last thing, if who would be your dream collab? What you know, I know you said Shaka Khan is your but we, what, she's not you're not allowed to her. Okay. So okay. who's okay. gonna be your, your dream collab? God. Okay, okay, right, let's see this. Who to sing with? So for you to be the singer, if you were gonna someone's gonna come to you and go, right, I want you to sing on my track, who's it gonna be? I think of so many people. That's the thing. I always had a fantasy, honestly, about Robin, <laughs> because I was really into her from when she was doing "Show Me Love," and I never stopped following her. Like I bought her album, the one that turned out to be Robin in two thousand and eight, when she released it in Sweden in two thousand and five. She's amazing. She's absolutely for her. So, but the thing is, it's so. I feel like I'm very like I'm a, like a basic bitch for saying that because I think every gay adores Robin, but. There's just no. something about her voice and the way she writes that I just think is brilliant. And I always felt a bit connected because I always felt I'm, I'm really a pop writer, you know, and I, I really feel, in, I think especially where I come from, there, there's always a bit, there was a bit of a bad name when it came to pop music. It was looked at as a bit frowned upon because it wasn't too, you know, some people thought it wasn't complicated enough or it was like low culture, basically. Yeah. And, and with her, I really feel a, a big respect for, for the truly the art form that pop music can be. Like, she really wants to write a fucking amazing song. Yeah, her last tour was amazing. I got to see her, see, I saw her at Alexandra Palace, and it was probably one of the best ones. Have you, so are you, do you, have you heard of the guy that she's just recently done that song with Impact, S.G. Lewis? Yes, I, I, I heard oh. His album, I, I don't even know where he's come from. Yeah, it's a good album. I know it's on Spotify lately. Very yeah. good. Oh, I, I'm in love with I'm in love with him. Always, always works with good people. She always has a, has a knack for finding the right people for her music. Yeah, yeah. I'm so jealous you saw the tour because I didn't I didn't have to see it. So. Oh. Well, look, the world will open back up, and let's be honest, everyone's going to be going wild. I I, pre I predicted that we this would be the summer of love. It might be in the UK. Hopefully, Belgium might end up having the winter of love. 
depending where you are. But there's going to be once it once it releases, the Kraken will be out, and everyone is going to be at it like rabbits. I think you know. There'll be <laughs> to, everyone will break up with each other that's still together, that's still stuck with each other. They'll be like, oh, right. yeah, or I'm such a, I'm such a pessimist. Um, or it will be, or it will be the opposite. You know, it's going to all go off. So, just to end, um, Steph, and I hope you know this. Where can everyone find you, uh, listen to you, if they want to follow you? What should what, what is your socials? Tell everybody. Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm Steph Gustav. So you just literally put that in. And Gustav is so S-T-F or S-T-E-F Steph. And then Gustav, G-U-S-T-A-P-H. And actually on Spotify, just put in Gustav and you'll find all my collaborations I did with people. you find my Hercules and Love Affairs stuff. And stay tuned because I'm definitely going to start releasing because all that stuff is collaborations with DJs, writers, producers, or fans. And stay tuned because I'm definitely going to start releasing my own stuff very soon. And you're going to come to the UK, aren't you? Book me. Book me, please. Anyone who hears this, book me now, darling. Actually, I, actually, I know someone that could book you. I know someone that could. Do it. He books for Birmingham Pride. He's actually the first episode. He's my friend, Dan. I, I'm not that. I'm completely like, yeah, he'll book you. But, you know... Yeah, it's on, it's on tape now. It's on tape, so I have it's to. It's on tape. To I've, I, I've become, I'm the middleman. Well, thank okay. you so You're much, Steph. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I hope you have a great time with Eurovision. I'm uh, going to have to put a huge disclaimer before this episode goes up. I'm probably never going to live this down, and um, I might actually. I'm going to have to redeem myself in future. But hey. Wait, fucking sue me, everybody. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much, Steph. Pleasure. It was so much fun. Thank you for t- actually way to talk to you for the first time, actually. It was amazing. Thank you so much. Well, don't worry. We're going to press stop on this, but we can carry on talking for a little bit. <laughs> but then it's, it's a pound a minute. No, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Steph. Thank you.